Welcome to episode seven of Leaders of Hope, real life stories of hope in action. I'm your host, Kirsten Incorvaya, and here on our first episode of 2021, I'm so excited to welcome Kylie Harbour, one of my dear, dear friends who lives in Brisbane, Australia, and who has been an integral part of my creative and business development over the past decade. Kylie calls herself a multi-passionate creative, and I can't think of a better term to encapsulate everything she does because we first bonded over our shared love of writing, and since then I've discovered that she is also a super talented artist, photographer, landscape architect, and designer. And more than that, I consider her a sister. Kylie was my first quote-unquote internet friend back in the day when I was featured in an article and Kylie reached out to ask me a question about it. We started exchanging emails and realized that we had so much in common and became fast friends. At the time, we were both 20-somethings, living in big cities, trying to make a career through our creative passions. We became informal pen pals and supported each other's work from afar for many years. I have supported her creative endeavors and her business, Tiny Giraffe, through coaching, and she has supported my business through gorgeous graphic designs that you can see all over my Instagram and website. But really, more than anything, we have bolstered each other up through regular feedback and a safe place to have a sounding board for new ideas, as well as encouragement to move forward through our blocks and insecurities toward our creative dreams. Kylie and I finally got to meet in person about two years ago when she made a trip to California. Yes, we are both travel fanatics. And I found her to be just as charming, kind, generous, and inspiring as she was all those years we were talking online. It has been amazing to watch Kylie step fully into her leadership voice and her grand dreams. And in 2020, though many of them died on the vine, many of them came true in a big and super exciting way. I can't wait for you to hear from Kylie herself closing out 2020 and starting a new chapter of 2021, I can't think of a better story to bring us into the new year. Here's your leader of hope for the week calling in from Brisbane, Australia, Kylie Harbour. So as we get started, what is your deepest intention for our time together? I think, no, I know, (laughs) to be as open as I can be. Hopefully if if I'm as open as I can be, then then my truth will will help someone, will inspire someone, even if it's just one person. Hmm. It's a beautiful intention. And I'm noticing even the vulnerability in me as you say that because I'm like oh yeah 
like, of course I want Kylie to be open because when Kylie's open, there's so many amazing insights and so much truth and so much connection. And then I'm thinking, well, that means I have to be open and shit. Like that feels vulnerable. Like I can already feel my heart wanting to open and being like, ah, is it safe? (laughs) It never feels safe, does it? Never. It never gets easier. Well, for some that's reason, okay. yeah, talking to you, it always does feel safe. I mean, you just have that kind of presence where like you just, you create a feeling of like total acceptance and non-judgment, which I really have appreciated about you as a friend. That is the sweet. Oh gosh. You're going to make me cry in like the first minute of the podcast. <laughs> that's the sweetest thing anyone said to me in a while. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And that's why we've been able to have these incredible voice memos. Like last night I was listening to your voice memo about, <laughs> you know, how we've been able to be there for each other through the whole process of going through divorce. And yeah. I was just thinking, I'm so grateful that I had that relationship already established with you so that when mm. we went through this really hard time, it was very serendipitous that we got to be connected through that hard time because I was desperate for a safe place to be able to feel all the feelings and express all of the chaotic, crazy thoughts and just to have (laughs) space for this enormous upheaval that like, I mean, really no one could understand it unless they've been through that kind of experience. And it just reminded me how grateful I am that we had that. Oh, I feel exactly the same. I just, I don't know if I could have got, I know I could have got through it on my own, but I did get through it on my own, I guess. But I, I definitely, I definitely needed you. I, I definitely clung to someone who was going through the exact same thing that I was, yeah. maybe just a few months ahead of me. So, yeah, you led the way <laughs> for me, I think, to process it's everything. funny because... I had two women from one of my old writing groups who had gone through divorces. One went through it like two years before me and the other one was maybe six months before me. So I feel like they paid it forward to me and then I paid it forward to you. And then as we were... I think I'm paying it forward. (laughs) Totally. And then as I was talking through things with you, it also helped me to make more sense of things. And hearing your perspectives helped me find more understanding of what I was going through. So yeah, God, it's just so important for us to tell our stories. Definitely. I think so for sure. And I'm so freaking excited to talk <laughs> about your story of 2020 as I'm glad I <laughs> asked you those questions in advance of like, what were your biggest challenges and your biggest yeah, wins? Were they surprising? Or were they, did you know? I mean, we've, we've kept in touch this year, but did I knew some of them, but not all of them. And seeing it all together in one place just made me realize, holy shit, Kylie has been a rocket ship this year. <laughs> you have just completely skyrocketed. Like you went from this launching pad. I think of, I've crashed and burned in there a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of the process. Part of the process. <laughs> 
yeah, especially the grand finale, which we will reveal of of the exciting news that's coming out in the new year. That just was yeah. the icing on the cake. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm, still, I'm still coming to terms with it. <laughs> it's, just, it's like a huge shock, an amazing shock, but yeah. It's and it's really exciting year. because it should, it will probably, the release will probably coincide with the release of this podcast. So by the time people are listening to this, it'll be like either just coming out or have just come out. So, well, yeah, exactly. Actually, the timing, that's so serendipitous. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Or we'll create some suspense so that people <laughs> want to know what's coming. <laughs> Hopefully it's worth their while. I think it is. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So... Take us back to January 2020 and Mm -hmm. just give us a really quick snapshot, like where were you living, what was your work situation, and your side hustle at the time. Yeah. So I'm living in Brisbane and I had just moved in with my partner, Jonathan, and in November, I believe, and we had... Yeah, we moved in together in November and I actually, we had just started talking about all the travel we were going to do. So (laughs) this is crazy. We talked, we actually called 2020, it was going to be our year and it was going to be our year of travel. (laughs) So hilarious. So 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 that didn't happen. Cosmic Um, joke. (laughs) I just can't believe it couldn't have been any further from the truth, but it, it was, I wasn't, our intention was, yeah, was to travel more than we'd ever traveled before. And, uh, we had, we had four trips booked and planned in, in January. Actually, I think we'd started around the time we moved in together, but by January we had four trips booked and planned for the year ahead. Where were they? They were in... So we were planning to go to North Queensland. I'm in the state of Queensland in Australia. And we were planning to go up north with my parents. It was to celebrate their anniversary. And also my dad has been wanting to take me to this beautiful overgrown castle in the rainforest. Whoa. It's called Paranella Park. And Ooh. so we're going to go up north and enjoy that tropical swimming and hiking and and then there was a trip to Japan in in November booked, oh so we God. could see all the autumn leaves over there. And yeah, uh, what else? Oh, a trip to Tasmania to Tassie, and drinking red wine in the in the winter time, and more hiking. And there was one more I can't quite remember. Oh, we were planning to do a road trip to Sydney. I really miss Sydney, where I used to live. So we were going to do a, a road trip. Um, to all the beaches on the way to Sydney. Oh, my God. That is an incredible <laughs> travel itinerary. Yeah, it would have been. Hell yes. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you had these incredible trips on the calendar, and knowing you, you're super into planning, and I imagine that you were already <laughs> you know, researching all the places that you wanted to go yeah. and where you wanted to stay and the photos you wanted to take. Yeah, I booked accommodation, everything. I had oh my god, everything planned out. I'm yeah, maybe too much of a planner. No, there was a lot to cancel. (laughs) (laughs) 
meant to be canceled. <laughs> no way. It wasn't. And but, then what was your day job at the time? Yeah, so I was, um, I'm a landscape architect working part-time. So I, I, was, I was still working part-time. Actually, I think last, mid last year, I negotiated to go to four days a week so that I could work one day a week in my business, my side hustle, tiny giraffe. So yeah, for Monday to Thursday working as a landscape architect and Fridays and weeknights and weekends as an artist. And tell us about Tiny Giraffe. So Tiny Giraffe started in 2016 when I first moved to Sydney and it actually, you know, it was born out of a love for San Francisco. Oh. Where I, how I stumbled across you. But yeah, I started drawing um, cities I really, I left my heart in San Fran and I really wanted a print to put on my wall and I couldn't find anything that I really liked at the time or if I did, it was really expensive. So I thought, well, I'm pretty creative. I thought I'll just create, I'll just draw something. I'll, but I'm not real good at acrylics and I thought, well, I'll do digital art. I know how to use Adobe Illustrator, so I'll just draw. I started drawing all the city streets and then I had this map of San Francisco that I loved and I printed it out and then I decided I wanted a whole series of cities on my wall. So I started drawing more, more and more cities and then, and then I guess it turned into a little side hustle. I just started drawing more and more line art is, is I guess what I specialise in. So Tiny Giraffe specialises in hand-drawn line art, which takes a long time, a lot of lines to draw. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's really, yeah, it's, it's quite detailed and intricate, but I think it's really simple and beautiful. So, yeah, I've branched out from cities slowly. But, yeah, that's my intention is to do more line art. And I'm doing, through Tiny Giraffe, I do prints and murals and custom wallpapers and illustrations for people yeah it's it's fun I love it it's incredible because the first time I actually saw tiny giraffe art in person I think was when you sent me a packet of postcards so I saw them in you know four by six or five by seven whatever it was and that they were absolutely amazing so they can scale your your pieces can scale really small and then I've also seen photos of you standing in front of these installations where the entire wall is covered (laughs) in the same design it's so awesome to see how it's so versatile and how it can be adapted in different colors and now you've been doing them in gold leaf it's just been really fun to see you grow this brand and this body of work it does. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Um, all of the artwork because it's drawn digitally, I guess the benefit is it's, it's vector based. So you can make it as big or as small as you mm-hmm. like. And that's what I'm having fun with is all of the scales and all of the applications. I think it's quite diverse. And sure. as a side note, when I met Kylie, <laughs> God, how many years has it been? Like, do you remember what year we met? Was it 20? 20- Ten-ish? I, I want to say it might be 10 years. It's yeah. been... Holy smokes. Well, That's a 10-year friendversary. Ah! 
I know. We have to find, maybe we can go back in the archives and I feel find like we our first had communication. To celebrate. I know. <laughs> Very worthy of champagne. Well, I was living at my apartment on Third and Anza at the time. So that must have been I lived there probably from like 2010 to 2015 or something. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so we've been friends for a hot minute and <laughs> it was amazing because when you first reached out to me, um, we met through, you know, you saw an article that I was published in and you wrote, you wrote me a message about the article and then we just started becoming pen pals. You were in Australia. Yes. <laughs> I was in San Francisco and we just totally hit it off online. I don't even think we ever talked on the phone or heard each other's voice for, for years. Oh, yes. Um, oh, cause yeah, eventually we did some coaching on zoom and that's the first time I got to actually like see you live and hear your voice. And, you know, we've become great friends. You came out to California to visit me. Um, yeah. anyways, when we yeah. first met, you were at this place of working full time as the landscape architect and you were wanting to branch out into your own creative ventures and it was just a dream in that moment. And here you are at the beginning of 2020, you have this full-on business launched. You have an entire product line. You're doing, I know you were doing pop-ups where you were selling your stuff yep. in person. You were doing your online marketing to sell things through your website and, you know, very yep. active on Instagram. Um, so in that moment, in the beginning of the year, what were some of your dreams with your business? I think more than anything, I just wanted to be full time in my business. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you recall, but I was, I, I was this close to quitting my job in January. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, we had a coaching session, I think in December and you were like, set a date, make it happen. <laughs> Exit strategy, um, baby. Yeah. <laughs> And I did, I had a date. I had, it was like the 20 something of January, 24th or 25th of January that I was going to hand in my resignation and I wrote the letter and everything. And <laughs> that didn't happen either. <laughs> but um, it's probably a blessing that it didn't because, you know, COVID. And I needed the work, I suppose, and, and the money and the stability during that time. But yeah, I was, I was very close to quitting. I think my goals for my business were just to make, to bring it to that next level is to, to be getting more and more paid work. And, and one day a week has, hasn't, hasn't ever felt like enough. Yeah. I don't think any amount of time will ever feel like enough. <laughs> I know. I hear you. Yeah. So you had quite an agenda for 2020. You had some big yeah. dreams, all these beautiful travels with your new partner and moving full time into Tiny Giraffe, which is a major transition, yeah. having been in your full time job for many years and, you know, building a lot of success there. Yeah. And I know you also had some big dreams for your house. Tell us about that. Oh, my goodness. That's was a hot mess. Well, at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning of the year, it all seemed pretty straightforward. I had the I had this beautiful block um, of land in Camp Hill, which is a really 
beautiful tree-lined character area in Brisbane, pretty close to the city, and I was going to to renovate the house and that was always my intention. It's a little post-war home. And then the pricing came back exorbitant. They said to me, the builders said to me that if I, that I actually should knock it down and rebuild because it would be cheaper than to fix this old house and to extend it and to change the floor plan. So that was a heartbreaking decision. I think I cried over that one and then finally got my head around building a new house on that, on that, that block of land. And then this whole year has been a process of designing my house uh, for that, designing a new house for that land that gave gave back the character of my old house. So I was designing something to try and replicate the feel and the character and the look of, of my old house in a new house. And so that's what I've spent the last um, nine months of this year working on. Mm. Yeah. And that hasn't happened either (laughs) and won't happen, sadly. It feels like an amazing metaphor, a really fitting metaphor for everything that's been happening in your life. Like I see you at your drawing table, you know, with all your plans rolled out and you're sketching (laughs) and you're designing and you were architecting your life on so many levels, your romantic life, your home life, your travel life, your career, your business, and everything that you were drawing in January ended up, um, (laughs) there were many (laughs) unexpected, uh, roadblocks. Yeah. Nothing has gone to plan this year for me. None of my dreams, um, have planned out the way that I intended or that I hoped. So in those early months when things started to really shut down and fall over, yeah, what did you hold on to? You know, because I know you to be a woman who's so invested in your dreams and you get so much energy and passion from your hope for the future and the dreams of what you want to create. So Mm. what was it like when things really started falling apart? I think things fell apart slowly. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was painful. It, I, I wouldn't say it all happened at once, but, you know, I, I realized I couldn't quit my job and that was heartbreaking. I, I cried. I was really angry with myself that I couldn't follow through with something that I had committed to for myself. And then when the coronavirus came and we were working from home, part, part of it was great. I really, I really enjoyed, obviously, the time at home with my partner and being together more. And actually, the quiet time, like I, I'm, I'm probably like I'm a very bubbly person, but I definitely recharge best on my own. So I guess more quiet time was good. But I also crave connection, so yeah. that kind of fell apart, and that was really tough for me. And then you the mean house connecting thing, with friends and connecting with coworkers and stuff like everyone. that. Everyone. Exactly. Yeah. My community, I felt like I missed my coffee barista. Yeah. (laughs) I missed my colleagues, even the ones that um, I don't know particularly well. I've just missed seeing people around the office. I actually missed my team really badly because we're a really close bunch of of people. Mm -hmm. They're the most 
talented bunch of landscape architects that I know. So, yeah, I just, um, and family, family and friends not being able to see them. I remember sneaking over to my brother's house at Easter time when we were told not to travel with more than so many kilometers from home. And he was outside the radius and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go see him. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm going to just leave this little parcel of, of, of chocolate and Easter eggs on the, on the doorstep Aww. for my niece and my nephew. <laughs> Cute. And they were waving to me from the window and then, and then Aww. I think they, they were also like, oh, fuck it. And they invited me inside <laughs> and we all just sat apart from each other and I so desperately wanted to hug them. It was Okay, hard. so this kind of blew my mind because, you know, for anyone listening in the U.S., Uh, I was really surprised at the level of restrictions that you had in Australia because it was very different from what's been going on in California. So bring us into your world a little bit of like the most severe part of the lockdown. Tell us about this whole radius thing and yeah. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, we weren't allowed to go anywhere except for the supermarket. That's all we were allowed to do. Like we literally were locked down. There was so what you, would happen you a, if you were, like, could you go on a walk? You were allowed what they called essential exercise. <laughs> oh, essential exercise. <laughs> Americans don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I think people were only basically allowed to walk or cycle. And there were huge lineups at the at the bicycle store and for orders for, ah! for, for bicycles. <laughs> and to pick up a dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's true. There were people buying pets. Like yep. I was worried actually, because I was so worried people wouldn't be able to look after their pets once they had to return to work or you know, they went home all the time. It's so many people have have adopted. Same here. Yeah, people can't even get rescue animals. That's not one of the benefits of the pandemic. So you were allowed yeah. to do essential exercise. You were allowed to go to the grocery store and... And the, and the pharmacy, like the chemist, yeah. So if you got caught just cruising over to your brother's house, what would have happened? They could have given me a fine. They were, they were issuing 1200 I think they were $1,200 fines. That's insane. yeah. That's so much more strict. left, right, and center. I remember hearing a story on the news, watching a story on the news about a, a poor lady who was desperate to go for a drive and just to see something different. And she got in her car and she drove just to see a sunset and she got fined. <gasps> oh I was heartbroken God. when I watched that story because I knew exactly how she felt. I felt so cooped up, not being able to travel, not being able to go anywhere. Yeah, so being a woman who's a total free spirit, you're always traveling, you're always taking weekend trips. Like when I did the Ocean Dunk Challenge a couple summers ago, it was winter for you and you drove (laughs) an hour or two hours or however far it was to your beach and you jumped in the ocean in the freezing cold, like Australian (laughs) winter. Yeah. This adventurous woman who's always out taking photos and going to new restaurants and coffee places and meeting friends. What was it like to just be stuck inside? I just felt trapped. I know yeah. people were like, don't, don't think about the fact that you're being stuck at home. You're, you're safe at home. You know, it was like yeah. a whole mindset thing going around on Instagram at the time. And I just felt so ungrateful. Like I was trying to be grateful, but <laughs> I, I'd see these memes pop up you're not stuck, you're safe. And I'm like, 
<laughs> well, no, I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm Fuck really, you, I'm my, stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, I just couldn't get out of that mindset. Like I just, it just, it, it, it's my whole essence, my whole soul. I just, mm. I'm, I, can't, I don't know how else to live. And I do love my ho- home and I do love a place to, a sanctuary to come back to, but I'm, I'm a little explorer at heart. So it was, it was very yeah. painful. Actually, you know what really helped? So when John and I dis- discovered that the year of travel wasn't going to happen, we, uh, we started watching YouTube videos every night. Actually, we still do most nights now. And we just watch YouTube videos of other people traveling. I find that to be a very creative solution. You are still getting to travel. You're living vicariously through these videos. And, and I mean, it's not the same as when you get to be in a place in person, but you do get that visual stimulation. You get that yeah. taste of someone's culture and, you know, depending how they film it. You can yeah. totally step into another world through a film. Definitely. There's a, there's a lot of great YouTube channels and amazing um, videographers filming beautiful things. There's, <laughs> there's, we watched a lot of J- Japan videos, obviously, because up until about August, I was dead set, thought we were going. <laughs> so um, I, w- I just refused to, to like, that one go I, I don't know why because it was I suppose because that was our biggest trip and that overseas that would have that was going to be an overseas trip so we I just couldn't believe that that wasn't I thought for sure we'd have our shit together by then you know <laughs> yeah. I'm like everything will known. be fine we just need a few vaccines and if everyone just stays home but it just was a naive view I guess and you're talking about October 2020 yeah, we were meant to fly out on the 29th of October. Mm-hmm. Up until August, I thought we had a, ch- a chance. Probably probably June, well, July, July, August, yeah. So we watched a lot of Japan videos because I was still planning. Yeah. <laughs> and then each holiday, as each holiday came and, and went, like we had to cancel. It was just a little heartbreak, one heartbreak after another. It is heartbreaking, and that's something that's been really challenging for me. I'm noticing in myself that as 2021, well, at the time we're recording this, we're, you know, 10 days, (laughs) 9, 10 days from 2021, so this will come out in January. And as I'm in this transition of the new year, usually this is a moment where I'm getting tons of inspiration and ideas and it's all about planning and visioning yes. and all this excitement for the new year. Yes. And I think we're the same. You're like yeah, that too. Totally. I'm noticing that this year it's I'm having a hard time really connecting with an energy of um like and I'm having a hard time connecting with a clear vision of 2021 because there have been so many heartbreaks one after another. There's been so many disappointments. There's been so many things that were canceled or delayed yeah. or postponed or they're continuing to be TBD. I just I feel like I can't bear any more letdowns. So 
that part of me has just taken a little nap. Disconnected, <laughs> yeah. It's like, wake me I up when we can normal. do things again. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said to John yesterday. Like, I don't know. We, we, it's still so many unknowns, so you can't really... I feel like 2021 is just going to be a replication of this year unless the vaccinations are all done. And Yeah. I can't see a, I can't see a clear picture either. So how are you navigating that? Being someone who's so driven by vision and by dreams, like how have you stayed connected to inspiration and hope and even just to a sense of wellness and feeling good when so many of these amazing grand dreams that you had for 2020 are, are still on hold. Yeah, and some are some are gone completely. I think, which is devastating too. I'm 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 dreaming new dreams, but I I, I guess I'm becoming more realistic about the fact that they are not. I can't determine the timeline. Yeah. So I have this little book that my mom gave me. It it, it just has, it's a, called a dream book, and you just write down all the dreams you have, a hundred, it lets you, it lets you write out a hundred, there's a hundred spots to fill. And I think I've filled about 50 of them. So far. Wow. But In I 2020? Thought, no, just for my life. I think I'm, pick, I think what I'm doing is I'm thinking bigger now, bigger mm. picture, rather than focused on just the year. I'm, I'm thinking about my life as a whole. Also, yeah. Will you tell us what some of the dreams are in there? Some of them are uh, like places I want to go to. Like I'd love to go to Greece. I'd love to go to Turkey. I'd love to go back to America and do all the national parks. <laughs> yes. Particularly um, Yosemite is really calling to me. I think that'll be on our, one of our next trips when, when oh we're allowed God. to go back to the States. I'll meet you there. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> we can stay at Gather Yosemite, Lawrence, please. Yes. Oh my gosh, I was listening to her podcast. I can't wait to go there. Yeah, it looks absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, there's places on there. And look, there's like dreams of becoming a mom mm-hmm. and dreams of ha- having my own house again. And so there's some really wild dreams in there, like I'll just throw one out there that seems impossible. But in Sydney, there is this great place. Um, I can't even think of the name of it right now, but it's like a precinct and it's got a florist and um, a bakery and two or three cafes and a, a nursery like full of plants and a market space. And a, I was in a yoga studio and I was like, I need that in Brisbane. I want to create my own precinct like that's big picture I don't know if that that's ever gonna happen but I just wrote it down hell motherfucking yes (laughs) oh my god that is so you that is so you yes I just need a a lot of capital to make that happen (laughs) maybe not maybe not maybe not I'm not sure if that one will come true but I'll just put it down anyway I think I'm a big dreamer I could absolutely see you starting that in Brisbane. Is it Brisbane or yeah. Brisbane? 
How do you say Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah. I think Americans say Brisbane. They do, uh, but that's okay. That works. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to say it right. Uh, I could absolutely see you starting that in Brisbane, and especially because you're so on board with the vision of Sunset Social and women's community. Yes. Like, I've always seen you starting something. Bringing people together. Yeah, starting something in your city that is a hub for artists and a hub for creative women. Yes. I love this dream. I, I just think it'd be incredible. I vote yes. I'd even start, like, my other dream is, another dream of mine is to have a tiny giraffe shop front. <gasps> a place yes. where I can set up my artworks for purchase. But then Could also have a really Could it be in the same big, place? I think so. Yeah, for sure. And I imagine it with this big central table where I can meet clients and do where I do my custom design work for clients oh, as yes. well. So like part studio, part shop. But also I was thinking how cool it would be if it was run by other artists. So I would feature a different artist in there every every few months or something and they could help assist run the shop and sell their stuff as well. Oh, my God. Kylie, hello. I know. <laughs> Look at you. There's so many dreams, babe. I can't, I can't keep up with ah! myself. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt. So many dreams, babe. <laughs> Not okay. enough time. <laughs> Not-, Not enough time on the planet. And uh, this, I want to tell the story about you just, mm-hmm. you totally stepping out of your comfort zone and saying no more failure or no more fear of failure in the beginning of the pandemic, like take us back yes. to what happened with Tiny Giraffe. Before I get into that, I don't think I've lost that fear of failure. It's still very, <laughs> very much there, <laughs> but I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And the perfectionism, I'm working on those too. <laughs> but it was something um, like, okay, everything is failing around me. Everything's failing in the economy. Everything's yes. closing down. So I've got nothing to lose. That was basically uh, my thought pattern because I've been so afraid of of being seen. I, I you know what it's like. I especially as a writer, I wrote a book a long time ago that I never got published. Um, but I struggled to call myself a writer, and then I struggled to call myself an artist. So even now, I still struggle with that term. I'm like, oh, I'm just a designer. Like, or I'm just a landscape architect who does a bit of pretty stuff on the side <laughs> so I str- I've always struggled with imposter syndrome and I've I've been nervous about sharing my art with the world and chasing that full-time dream because I've built up such a career in landscape architecture but what I've realized is they're both creative I'm mm-hmm. just going to call myself a creative like that covers everything <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter whether I'm painting or drawing or writing or f- I've got my camera and I'm photographing things. I'm just, I'm a multi-passionate creative. That's what I've discovered. Multi-passionate creative. Yes. Yeah. I can't seem to settle on one thing. And I think I've fought that for so long and I'm tired of fighting that. So everyone's like, stick to one thing, but I, I just can't, I just can't. So I'll just do what I can, what lights me up at that time. 
But yeah, when coronavirus came and the world was falling apart and my and things were in chaos, I just thought I've got nothing to lose. I can finally put myself out there. Like everyone else is failing. Businesses are falling over. Businesses are struggling. It was heartbreaking to see so many businesses disappear over the last few months. But I just thought, well, if not now, when? Like this is a great time to fail because everybody's failing. Like, Yeah, everything, everything was failing. All the systems were failing. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of businesses did fail, unfortunately, because there was just it's all out of their control. There was no support. Yeah. Yeah. So what are a couple examples of ways that you put yourself out there with this newfound freedom? <laughs> freedom. <laughs> freedom to free fall. Love that word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the biggest thing was I started showing up on social media a lot more. Um, I actually got a business coach this year and she's been fantastic too. So I think Having, having a number of mentors this year and people that I looked up to that encouraged me to step out as well as, as giving myself that permission finally with, with, the, with the pandemic starting, I just put myself out there more. I was emailing people. Um, I was calling people. I was meeting people for coffee. I mostly though social media, like I was showing up on stories nearly every day and sharing more and more and more of my art and started telling people I was an artist when I met them or when I was speaking to um, colleagues and I, w- I started telling colleagues yeah this is what I do outside of work they didn't so, know not really I don't think In my four years, years of course yeah because you've yeah, been doing that for four years already I know. <laughs> I'm a slow learner, babe. <laughs> it was a passion project for the first couple of years. I just, you know, I just was having fun with it. And I, was, I think it's taken me a long time to gain my confidence. So you came out of the closet and yeah. you, you owned it. You claimed it. I'm an artist. I'm a multi-passionate creative. And another thing that I'm hearing is you allowed yourself to promote yourself. You gave yourself that freedom to reach out to people who you wanted to collaborate with. You were pitching yourself. You were being really proactive with sales. I mean, really, it's a lot of self-promotion. And any small business owner knows, any artist knows, that self-promotion is really what makes or breaks your success. Because you can have the best art in the world, the most amazing Mm -hmm. designs in the world, but... If no one knows about them. Yeah. I mean, unless you just have, like, infinite funds to pay someone to promote you, most of us (laughs) have to promote ourselves because we are a one-stop shop and we are the designer, the artist, the marketer, the salesperson, the admin, all in one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wear of many hats. Yeah. What was missing for you was the really owning the the marketing hat. I really hate sales and I hate salespeople and I don't like promoting myself, but I've come to realize how necessary it is. I just want to be authentic. When you started taking these risks and putting yourself out there, what 
kind of feedback did you get? I just got a ton of great feedback. There was, I mean, some people didn't reply to my emails. Some people didn't call me back. Um, that's okay. The people that did reply were full of praise. They were so kind and they were very encouraging. And even if we didn't start projects together, they they know me now or they know about mm. me. I've I've set I've started a relationship with them. So I can reach out to them again in the future and and they said they'll keep me in mind for future opportunities when the right awesome. project comes along. Yeah. So who were you reaching out to and what were you asking for? I reached out to so many people. I reached out to an influencer on Instagram who happens to be a friend of a friend. And she's been following my work for four years. Nice. (laughs) And she's been a a great Instagram supporter. And I never thought to, I never thought to reach out to her. And then when I did the business coaching with Jade, so shout out to my business coach, Jade, she told me I just need to start talking to people that I already know. Like there's so many, I have so many connections that I'm just not using. And when I reached out to Brooke, she, the influencer, she was um, more than happy to share my artwork. And that was a huge revelation for me that. That's amazing. Yeah. And now she's, now she's actually purchased my art as well. So it's, she's been an amazing supporter and. So she became one of your collectors and she promoted your stuff to her audience so that they could also become your collectors. I think she's sent about three or 400 followers my way this year. Whoa. Yeah. Huge. Nice. I'm like, uh, it just dawned on me the other day. Why haven't I contacted more? Like (laughs) I've just done this one. I think I need to ramp it up next year. And the, the best part about it is that she loves my work. So it was very authentic and very genuine, mm-hmm. everything that she shared. And I think that's what I've been afraid of, that people w- wouldn't get it, get me and understand me and that it, it wouldn't be reflected the way that I wanted. But I think when you find like-minded people, they do get it and they they are so generous and so kind and, Yeah. Yeah, you found your right people. We've been talking yeah. about this a lot in 2020. Like, who's my... Who are your people? Who's Who are my people? Who's my right customer, my right audience, the one that's just a natural organic fit and not trying to yeah. smash ourselves into little boxes that don't fit. Yes, I love that. That's true. That's That's it. And what's mm. beautiful is that the three or 400 people that followed me from her account are also beautiful people like they're just like her or they you know I think it attracts the same aligned kind of people so you put yourself out there you took a lot of risks and got out of your comfort zone promoting your work and asking for help and you because of that you grew your audience you got way more exposure and reach and So did that have an effect on your online sales? Because now you're doing everything online, right? Like there's no more in-person events, so you're selling your prints strictly online in twenty. Well, actually, I did a market on Sunday for the first time in oh, two years. Oh, this Sunday? And it was, yeah, just Oh, gone. my God. 
it was it was just a little local market um, at a shopping center, like a little, um, yeah, at a shopping center area with all these restaurants and cafes, sort of indoor outdoor market thing. Right. Congratulations. Yeah, it was a lot of work. I forgot how hard markets are. <laughs> Kelsey knows. I'm sure she knows. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do many more of those. They just wipe me out completely. But I think the reason they wipe me out is because I am I talk so much. But that's the right. reason that I love going is I get to talk to people. And I'm, I get to hear all these amazing travel stories. And they, about, you know, my art prints are travel inspired mostly. And... Mm. So I, I just I get these wonderful stories from people of where they've been, where they want to go, what they're doing, and that lights me up. Oh my god! So that, that, you should that start your own fun. podcast about that. Yeah, all the travel <laughs> yeah, stories I've had. Totally, that would be such. I a wish cool, I'd written them down. Yeah, it would be so cool to have your own little story core of tiny giraffe <laughs> audience, like tiny giraffe Wouldn't uh, be collectors. So that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to add that to my book of dreams. <laughs> yeah, you still have 50 pages left. Um, <laughs> yeah, so actually I, one lady I met in Sydney at one of my very first markets at the Paddington markets, she was an older lady, maybe in her 80s even, and gorgeous, styled impeccably. And she told me that when she was living in San Francisco in her 20s or 30s, she met Frank Sinatra or someone like that. Oh, my God. And I was just gobsmacked. Ah, that's incredible. She went, she went to lunch with him or something. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. So, yeah, I, I could these totally see stories. you collecting these stories. This is bringing in your inner writer, your journalist, your writer. I could see you collecting these stories and putting them together with the prints. Like, ooh, there could be an interactive digital map where people, as people move around the map, oh my they, gosh. like different That's stories pop up with the image of yes. the person, like their portrait that you take because you're a photographer. And this could oh also turn gosh, into a coffee idea. table book. Thank you. That's such a good <laughs> idea. I'll put it on the, I should put it on the website and have yes. it interactive so people can go on the map and even add their story. Oh, yeah. Totally. Ooh. Oh, I my love God. It. I love it. I love it. <laughs> See, your dreams are just popping all over the place. They're like popcorn, like dream here, dream there, pop, pop, pop. That's really tiring too, you know. Like I can't I can't keep up with myself. <laughs> I have so many sleepless nights because I'm lying awake thinking about all this stuff. Oh, I know how that goes. It's torture. <laughs> it's the most beautiful kind of torture. <laughs> There's no lack of, yeah, I'm, I am my own muse. There is just no lack of... <laughs> Lack of inspiration, which is a great thing. I'm so lucky to have that. So you're watching travel videos, reading a ton. All of a sudden, you have this newfound courage to be putting yourself out there. And I know you got some really awesome opportunities. Like, weren't there some new commissions this year? And, like, yeah. there's been some major growth in Tiny Giraffe. So walk us through that. Yeah, major. Well, I was reaching out. So I suppose, yeah, back to who I was reaching out to, I reached out to um, Brooke, the influencer on Instagram. I reached out to a bunch of interior designers, architects, um, developers, like building developers, um, other landscape architects. Actually, that's one thing that I haven't done real well is promote myself through my own network. I have over, over a career of 16, 17 years in 
landscape architecture, I have, you know, 700, 800 contacts on LinkedIn that are actually people that know me. And I don't know why I haven't thought to connect with them and tell them about my art. So that's what I'm starting to do. One day I was really brave and I went on LinkedIn and I, I basically said, hey, if you've been wondering what Tiny Giraffe is all about, this is what I do when I'm not working in landscape architecture. That felt like a really brave move. And then the next day I was feeling even braver and I literally added, I just, I literally put a link at the top of my LinkedIn that just goes directly to my Tiny Giraffe portfolio PDF. Anyone can open it anytime. And where did that bravery come from? Inside somewhere. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I have these moments when I get, I just think, I've just got to do it and I do, I've got to do it before I chicken out and I just press send on the email or I just call this person before I talk myself out of it. It feels like this will, like this inner will that's driving you. It's like, I want to be at the top of LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> like a tiny giraffe needs to be front and center. It needs to be up top. People yeah, need to see I this. I can't hide it anymore. I've got to put it first. It really is like your, this is your year of coming out of the closet as an artist. Yes. My word for 2020 is bloom. Mm. So I set that at the very beginning of the year and I didn't, I suppose because, well, you would know what it's like, but going through divorce was, is, is painful and hard and coming out the other side of that, I thought I'm ready to shine now. Like I'm ready Mm. to. I've been through the hard stuff. I'm getting to a good place now. I want to bloom. I didn't really realize what that would mean for my business, but it has definitely been true. And what an incredible year to bloom. Even though you didn't get to have the year of travel in the way that... Rooted in place. (laughs) (laughs) Rooted in place. Oh my God. Well, that's how you bloom is by putting down roots. Yeah. I feel like it's so apt. Perfect metaphor for, for this year. And Tiny Giraffe has really bloomed this year. You've gotten, okay, so now tell us some of the incredible growth that you've gotten in your company. Out of the three or 400 people that, that followed me, um, I got a ton of inquiries and one lady in particular asked me to do a commission of London and it had been on my list for four years. <laughs> wow. People have been asking me since I started Tiny Giraffe. So I did the, I took on the commission and it was stressful. She really wanted it by in time for her husband's birthday. So it was commissioned by an individual. It wasn't commissioned by like a company or a brand. No. It was just a private collector. Just, yeah, private collector. Uh And she, she had lived in London with her husband. They had moved back to Brisbane just before the pandemic. And she was feeling, he was really homesick. They were missing their, their their London life and okay so somebody commissions you to draw London and then how did the Kickstarter come out of that it was just a brainwave I had late one night (laughs) because I knew I knew that now that I had the London print drawn I would modify it and put it up on my website with all the other cities but so many people had been requesting the gold leaf like the gold foil prints and so I thought, well, I'd love to offer London. I think London would be really popular and really people would love it as, as gold foil. 
but it's so expensive for me to print, like, like hugely expensive. Right. So how much money did you need to print the, the minimum 20 run? Uh, $1,100. Okay. You put up a Kickstarter uh, and what's yeah. the Kickstarter? The Kickstarter was basically an A3 foil print of London and I offered three colorway options. So a gold foil on a white background, a, a, a rose gold foil on a black background and a gold foil on a navy background. Oh, that's so, so the three color options that I wanted to see. I had seen two of them done previously for my other cities and the rose gold on black was like a new option that I wanted to see how how it would go. So yeah, it was it was um, it was the best feeling when I reached funding. Ah, hell yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. happened so fast. I mean, you sent me a text you're like, "Hey, I'm doing this Kickstarter. Do you mind sharing it?" Or <laughs> Okay. It's the fastest thing I've ever done. Once I I think I don't know what made me do it because I've been so slow this year on so many other things. But once I just I, I know what it was. I'm I'm definitely timeline driven. Mm. Even at work. Um, yeah. Because I got a message I from you and it was like, I have pressure. one day left. <laughs> You're like, I have one day left on my Kickstarter. Do you mind sharing it? And I go on there and I'm like, oh my God, this is I didn't even know that you had it up yet. Like it did happen super <laughs> fast. And then all of a sudden you're fully funded. It was over. And you're telling me like, oh my I, God, I made the money. I'm doing the print. I was like, that was just a whirlwind. You, it was, <laughs> that was one of your rocket moments. <laughs> it was, it was incredible. I think what happened is I knew I wanted to get it to people in time for Christmas because yeah. I thought they, they would be great Christmas presents. So I, I worked backwards and I thought, well, I need the print by early December. So it means I need to order it. They t- and they take a long time to, to print as well, these gold leaf ones. They they take about three to four weeks. So I, I did. I just kept working backwards. And when I got to the date, I, I, w- I realized I had, I needed, a, I needed, I launched it in three days and I, wow. I only had it open for two weeks because I needed maybe three weeks, but it, it was a short time. I remember Kickstarter kept warning me and it's, it kept sending me updates saying, you should extend your, <laughs> um, your project for a month. It should run for a month. And I was like, nope, I don't have time. <laughs> Two weeks. I'm gonna make it happen. And so, and then I got on Instagram every day, and wow. I pushed, pushed very hard. I felt that was the first time that I felt like I actually really heavily promoted something, and I sent it to so many people. And look at the outcome. You got fully funded. You did the run of prints, and it feels like a big breakthrough moment for you too another breakthrough of you self-promoting and really claiming and owning, I want this and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let anything stop me. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing was going to stand in my way that week. Yeah. And having done a GoFundMe myself, I know that it is really vulnerable to put yourself out there and to ask people for money. And also there's something so powerful about taking that step and then having people meet you. Like I take a step forward and my community takes a step forward and we meet and there's this magic of Mm. a confirmation. Like, yes, what I'm creating is needed. 
and what I'm creating is valuable and my community wants it. My community is here to invest in it and to provide the resources to make it happen because it's meant to come forth. It's meant to be. It's meant to be out in the world. And yeah, then, it's a good feeling, isn't it? And there's nothing, that's a, such a confidence booster. Oh, yeah. To realize what you're creating is is needed. But I never would have desired. desired. You never would have gotten that confirmation if you didn't take that first risky step of putting it out there and asking. Yeah, that's you asked true. for help. Yes, I'm I, getting better at that slowly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. I want to make this print. I want it to be in gold leaf and I'm going to ask my community to fund it. And your community was very happy to step up and put their money down to have these prints. And the, and the ownership, because people feel like they're, they're part of the solution. Like they, yeah. they get to, they get to be the project. They get to, I think people love that they, I, you know what was you know what shows this perfectly and what, what was really sweet is when so when the Kickstarter came around and I launched it the very first person who bought a print of mine was Brooke <laughs> the lady who the influencer on Instagram who awesome. had been promoting pr- other prints of mine earlier in the year I could have cried when I saw her name there Aww. and I thought oh, she does truly believe in me and she's purchased She's been the first person to support me, and and she was so wrapped. Like when she, when the when her print arrived, she's like, "My Kickstarter got there." <laughs> like Woo! it was hers. <laughs> she's like, "I made it happen." Ah! Like, yes, babe, you did. You did it all. <laughs> yeah, and that's so beautiful. Now your collectors get to be a part of your success and story. Yeah, your community right. is invested in your story and your impact. Yeah. It's a good feeling. It's what I want. Uh, that's why I love what I do. Yeah. And what, okay, so are we ready for the big reveal? Because <laughs> the yeah, Kickstarter so. led to <laughs> a really exciting new opportunity. When you told me about it, I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> So did I. That's exactly how I reacted. So you get this email out of the blue. Yep. I got an email out of the blue from a lady in London and it was from British Vogue asking me if I would like to be featured in their February print edition. As if you're going to say no. (laughs) I know, right? I, I didn't really sink in for a couple of days. I was a bit, I, it took me two or three days to reply because I was so in shock. I, I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have any words. This is huge. This is the girl who, excuse me, this is the woman who <laughs> a year ago what, didn't want to call yourself an artist. You called yourself everything but an artist everything but a designer and the next thing you know British Vogue is knocking on your door saying we want to print (laughs) your artwork so when this podcast comes out you are going to be holding in your hands an issue of (laughs) British Vogue and it is going to have your name and your art printed on the page 
Yes. <laughs> How does that feel? Surreal. Just, um, <laughs> it feels incredible. But I must say at the beginning, I still suffered from that imposter syndrome. I kept thinking, oh, at the time I remember thinking, I don't, I don't know if this is good enough. <laughs> How much more proof but do you yeah. need, baby? <laughs> I don't think I can use, I don't think I can use that excuse on myself anymore. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it, feels, it feels amazing. You might have to burn that with 2020. Just yeah. kick that to the can. Yeah. And I, I keep checking the, the mail, <laughs> obsessively checking the mail, waiting for my um, print magazine to arrive. Oh my God, I can't wait to see it. And you'll have to me tell too. me how I can get an issue because I really want to have it. Yeah, I'll figure that one out. Hopefully I'm I don't sure have to that... pay like $500 for shipping from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and with the pandemic, yeah. it'll probably get here in like 10 years, but <laughs> I have to have it. <laughs> so exciting. I'm so freaking happy for you. When I heard that, I was just like, of course, of course. Like I knew... I always knew that this was going to happen for you, meaning that I always knew that Tiny Giraffe was going to blow up everything you do. I knew that your photography and your writing and your design and your architecture, all of it was going to blow up and it was just a Mm -hmm. matter of time. And it's been really just so exciting and rewarding and hope giving to see all of your hard work and your determination, your dedication, and your your courage paying off and coming to fruition. So Thanks, kudos man. to you. It feels really strange. A, a few people have said that, that similar things to me, and I don't know why I didn't think that for myself, but it means the world to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. It feels really good to see it take off. Yeah. Because not every creative endeavor does. So to start kind of moving into a closing, are there any other big wins from 2020 that you want to share? There, There have been lots of other wins. Like I'm working on a custom wallpaper for a very popular interior designer oh and it God. is a beautiful botanical I decided to do an Australian botanical so it's a a eucalyptus leaves and gum nuts and I can't wait to see that come to fruition I mean personally I love botanicals I love line art and putting them together it's just mm. (laughs) well I'm really excited to share it so I always like to end with the question like going back to the title of the podcast And the intention of this podcast is to draw out these stories of women who have become leaders of hope and Mm -hmm. have been shining as a leader of hope through the challenges of the pandemic. So what does it mean to you to be a leader of hope? I think it's just about allowing, for me, it's about listening like if, if you, you can be a leader and show, show the way through action, but to help other people with hope, I think it's about listening and allowing them to have their fullest expression 
mm. like making space and making a safe place for them to be themselves, to lead their lives, giving them permission to take, to take action. Oh, and that's so in line with who you are. That's what I said at the beginning of the podcast when we started recording. I was like, you create such a safe space for expression. I love talking to people and listening to people. And I, I hope yeah. that I allow people to shine through giving them a voice. Oh, you absolutely do. And what is your advice to anyone listening who is looking for hope right now in their life? I think if you look around, there's so, there's so much to be hopeful for and there's so much hope. Like there's so much to see that's beautiful in the world, even though we may be stuck or we may be not able to travel or not able to live our dreams fully at the moment. I go on walks and I see, I see hope in everything. I see beauty in everything, like flowers and trees and water and the way that the world moves around us and the seasons. And I, I personally find hope from nature and from the world just doing its thing around us. But I think you don't have to go very far to find it. If it's a friend or a family member or... I would just tell people, listen to your podcast. <laughs> oh, I love that. You don't have to go far to find hope. Just, just open your eyes to what's around you. Yeah. And going back to what you said about a leader of hope being the one who listens, maybe it's just about listening. Yeah, to Deeply yourself. Listening. Oh. Yeah. It's inside. It's a, I th I've been reading that Glennon book you told me to read, the Untamed book. Yeah. And she talks about that still knowing. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's something I really struggle with. I'm always looking for answers outside of myself, but they're not, they're not there. They're inside. So yeah, that's, that's probably where hope lies. Yeah. We've been tamed out of listening to our inner voice, but to become untamed again is to listen to and honor our internal voice. Yeah, it's hard to find, you know, sometimes, hard to hear. Yeah. I think that's why yeah. we love nature so much because when I'm out in nature. You can be still. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow, epiphany moment. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I'm separate from all the noise of the man-made world. And I can yeah, really Yeah, the distractions. Just, mm -hmm, I can connect with something that feels true. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's got to be it for sure. Hmm. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an Thank honor. Thank you. It's been an honor for me too. Have an amazing day. You too. Bye. Love you. Love you heaps. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Leaders of Hope. I'm your host, Kirsten Incorvaya, and today's guest is my dear friend, Kylie Harbour in Brisbane, Australia. You can find her online at tinygiraffe.co and on Instagram at tinygiraffe.co and at kyles11. That's K-Y-L-E-S-11. Drop her a note, buy one of her amazing prints, and hire her for gorgeous custom murals, logos, illustrations, you name it. 
And one last thing before you head out today, I leave you with a challenge. What's one commitment to hope and action you will make this week? One baby step that will make a difference in your life and your community. I would love to hear what you come up with. Send me a DM on Instagram at Kirsten Inc. Or shoot me an email, k at Kirsten Inc. And I can't wait to see you for our next episode. Happy New Year. Happy 2021. Go forth and be a leader of hope.